Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, we welcome someone who, in my humble opinion, is the greatest BMX rider who has ever lived. A man who is not only the king of skate parks, but has mastered vert, flatland, and the ramp. It is an absolute honor to introduce the flying banana, Eddie Fiola. Mr. Fiola, how are things? Uh, things are good. Just kind of, you know, hanging out and, and dealing with, you know, situations that are going on. So, Well, we're going to get to Rad in a little bit and everything BMX, but I wanted to start off by delving into the relationship you've had with Spike Jones. Did you know Spike before the rest of the Jackass crew? And was it Spike that brought you in for some of those stunts on Jackass? Uh, so, um, when we were doing tours for GT back in the day, in the early 80s, uh, we did, uh, this one bike shop in, uh, I think it was Maryland, and it was the Rockville BMX show that we did, and this kid, this little grommet kid was behind the counter, little, you know, blonde-haired, spiked-up, um, kid that was, you know, he, he literally did anything that you asked him to. Um, he was a gopher. He went and got you lunch and did whatever, but you know, so be it, it was Spike Jones. So yeah, I knew him way, way before, um, any of the movies that I worked for him on. And, uh, also when he was, uh, he had come to, you know, California and got a job at, uh, you know, Wizard Publications, he was, uh, you know, a photographer there, he, he did words, um, and, you know, we just, we were friends. When After Jackass, Spike brings you back for where the wild things are. What were some of the stunts that you were involved in during the making of that movie? So prior to um, filming, there was an extensive... Uh, testing and and rehearsal uh for a lot of the stunts and a lot of the stunts you know when we were doing a lot of wire work where uh i'm part of the 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 stunt team and part of the uh uh rehearsal team uh and we set up the gig the gag and uh write everything down on, on how much pressure and what lines we used and and, and how we performed the the gag, and then uh, you know this, this went on for almost two months of of rehearsals. Um, they had a limited budget going to I think they filmed in Australia, and and uh, they had a limited budget on who was going to go. So I wasn't actually on the film filming, but I was in the rehearsal and worked on the film. If that makes any sense? Yeah, of course. It would be crazy of me to not ask, what was it like getting to work with Spielberg and Lucas? Uh, okay, so again, uh, during rehearsals, I, I, I'm i going to say I never saw any of those guys. So it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't get to see them. Well, Observant Report, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated films of the last decade. Is it fun to do semi-low-budget comedies like that? Or do you prefer to do the bigger stuff like Crank and Spider-Man? Ah, uh, um, you know, I've had 
I've had my experiences with both, you know, uh, major budget films and low budget films. And, and I think there's a lot less stress with a low budget, even though we're doing more work and, you know, a lot, you know, there's less, um, you know, people pushing their weight around on a lower budget show because they're just trying to make it and they're just trying to get, get the film to where, you know, the best that it could possibly be where when you're working with a, a, you know, a big budget film, everybody that, that is in it has been already hired. Um, they're probably, they're kind of like a top gun competition. Everyone is the best that they're that they are. Uh, the wardrobe department, the hair department, the, you know, everybody has their own ego and, uh, you don't want to step on anybody's toes. So there's a lot more stress on a, on a bigger film like that. Tour de Pharmacy came out to a lot of acclaim from cinephiles. Was it nice to see a bike-centric film once again crack into the mainstream? And was it nice to be a part of that? It was fun to be a part of it. The, the funny part is, is that the, the stunt coordinator and I, um, in the very beginning, we had uh, a, a text malfunction um, or a, a, um, a period... Uh, forgetting, for, uh, there was a there was a period that was forgotten to be in the punctual area that it was supposed to be at. The the thing was is that the the coordinator was asking for a backflip double tail whip side by side connected to each other for two guys, and I'm going, oh wait, what? <laughs> a backflip? So so you want two guys? to do a backflip, double tail whip, side by side, connected to each other. And, and I'm, I'm going through my book of, of, of people that I know and who I, who can do a backflip, who can do double tail whip, who could, who could I trust side by side? How much, you know, um, are we going to get to practice and rehearsal and all this stuff? And, and I found some guys that were, you know, awesome on what they could do. Um, the best that they could do, uh, but they've never, uh, they were never, never able to do, you know, that exact trick yet. And so I go back to the coordinator and, you know, after hiring the guys, I'm going, I got the guys, they look the right, the look, and they, they can double the guys. And, you know, I just don't know about, you know, these guys doing, you know, a double backflip, double tail whip, side by side connected to each other. Um, it's going to be a hard one to, to do. So we're going to need a lot of practice and, and, and rehearsal and all this stuff. He says, Oh no, wait, 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 wait. I just need, I just need, I need one guy to do a backflip period. <laughs> okay. Then I need two tail whips, a double tail whip. I go, well, you know, side by side, this and that. He says, what is it? What's it called when you, when you throw the back end around? I go, that's a kick out. He says, that's what I need. I need two guys to do a kick out. <laughs> oh, are you serious? I just got the X Games quality guys where I could have hired my sister, literally, <laughs> to, to do the stunt. And and so you got you got the best of the best, and you're going to get the best. You know, you ask these guys to do anything, and they can do it. So it's... Uh, they, they got exactly what they needed, and um, you know, 
to to have these guys all dressed up in in you know tights were uh, a little awkward for them, but uh, they just had fun with it. As a stuntman yourself, do you find it's about time that the Oscars are even thinking about finally adding a stunt category and that there's this massive push within Hollywood? I am ecstatic about it. it. It's about time. I don't know why, you know, why would hair and makeup, you know, nothing against hair and makeup or, or even wardrobe, you know, they do their job and they do it well. Um, but, you know, it, I if it wasn't for the stunts in every action movie, you wouldn't have an action movie. You wouldn't have a movie at all. Um, I had heard at one time that the reason being that they didn't want to give an award to a stunt person or a stunt coordinator is that uh, we would try too hard and get hurt for the achievement of getting the award. But no, it's good that, that they're... Um, that they're recognizing that uh, we're doing a lot of stuff, and and if you if you look at uh, part of the, the the whole SAG Screen Actors Guild union deal, the stunt people are the we've worked on every film, you know. We're, there's guys that have worked on numerous films, more films. One guy has worked on way more films than any of the actors has worked on. Take it now, the actors have done you know blockbuster movies and things like that, but. The guy who's been on the set every single day is the stuntman. Well, I'd like to turn to Rad for a moment. It was the ultimate okay. bike film. Was it an honor to be asked to work on Rad by Hal Needham? Or were you still focused a little bit more on your BMX career at the time and not really thinking about branching into the film world? Um, so at, at the time, so let's, uh, let's back up a little bit. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm in the magazines. I'm doing what I do. Um, I'm winning competitions here and there. Uh, I get this, this screenwriter guy that, that comes to my house with Hal and, and says, Hey, you know, I just want to talk to you, you know, but he's talking to me because, you know, I was in the magazines and I'm on top at this point in time. Uh, so he asked me my whole life story. Uh, you know, fast forward to now I'm getting asked to do a movie. I'm still writing for, you know, GT at the, at this point in time. And I, you know, I asked GT cause they're, they're in charge at this point. Um, and, uh, I say, Hey, they're, they're doing this film in Canada. Uh, it'll be great exposure. Uh, they, they won't, uh, mask off or edit any of the bicycle logos. And, and it'll be free advertisement for you guys. So they want me on, you know, for, for, I think it was two weeks that we filmed, um, you know, our scenes and, uh, yeah, they loved it. And, and, and I was still, you know, more into my riding aspect. I didn't understand the stunt, uh, aspect of it. I, I, I don't think I was ever asked. To, to, to fall or, or not ride my bike. Um, but after figuring out that, that uh, they paid you to fall off my bike, oh, I'm all in. <laughs> I got that down to a science. Well, at the time you were signed to GT, was it a conscious decision not to have crew ride a GT bike? And whose decision was it behind putting him on a mongoose loop tail? Um, I'm pretty sure that whoever was you know, producing the film at that point in time, 
had already made phone calls and and um, contacted the people that were going to promote or add to or give um, bikes to their their cause. Um, and and uh, you know them asking me to ride somebody else's bike, I, I that was the hard part. Um, you know, but understanding that the stunt aspect of it all, I had to ride what the actor was riding. It was the hero bike. It was, to me, it was just the hero bike. It wasn't a mongoose to me. Uh, it was just a bike. And I had to set my bike up to where I could ride it as well as I rode my GT. So the character of Crew Jones was based on you from the talks when, when Hal and the, and the screenwriter came to talk to you. Do you think that this was something that Hal was pushing for, was to have it directly based on you? Or do you think that that was just coincidence? I, I'm going to say it, it's probably coincidence. You know, my story, you know, uh, my dad had passed away when I was young. I got into BMX riding. I didn't care for school. Um, you know, it, loosely based off of my life. Um, I rode my bike and I had fun and now I started making money as I'm riding my bike. And, and, you know, my mom was a, a single parent raising three kids and, and, uh, it, it just worked out that I was able to, uh, travel, uh, worldwide from riding my bike. Well, the concrete in Calgary and Cochrane is a tad little different than what you were riding at the time in LA. Was this something that you had to adapt to, or did you even notice it? You know, riding in Southern California, where it was nice and sunny 99% of the time, uh, riding in Calgary was, 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 you know, pretty close some days. Um, some days. And you guys had something that I, I, I forget the name of it, but one day it's 80 degrees outside, and the next day it would be snow on the ground. It's a Chinook. And then it'll be gone the next, and then it'll be gone by the end of the day. <laughs> yes, and and to have that happen was was mind blowing to me. And I'm going, wait, wait, I, we're supposed to ride today. We're supposed to do this outside scene. We're supposed to do this. So they changed, and the production company, you know, in an instant would be able to change their way of shooting. That uh, it, you know the whole movie wasn't shot from the beginning to the end. It was shot in, in, in intervals and, and some literally the last scene that was filmed was that dance routine. Do, do you remember when you were filming the dance sequence that it was going to become as iconic as it has become? <clears throat> so here's a, here's a good one for you is that I was not there during the dance routine. Uh, it was Martin Aparillo and, uh, Pat Romano. Uh, I had a competition that I needed to go to. So, um, by the time that section of the film was being filmed, I, I was already on a plane on my way home. So my last scene that I did that I filmed, um, and then literally jumped on a plane right after was the park scene where, uh, crew was asking um christian uh what is all this number one stuff about and they they ride through the park when you first saw hell track what was your reaction to it did you immediately know it was something that was going to look good on celluloid and become so legendary uh hell track was all hell no i'm not riding that that was the <laughs> 
first aspect of it. Um, they had made this thing. They had to, they had to tone it down, and we had to make changes to this thing because Hal had this idea that uh, this would look great on film, and it did, but it was big, and it was scary, and, and some of the guys, you know, they got hurt writing it. Um, there was, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, like us, you know, we – we hesitated on going to the top first, um, but we we worked our way into it and we figured it out after doing some changes. But uh, yeah, no, it was a it was scary to ride, and and we didn't ride the whole you know in the movie we didn't ride the whole track at one time. I don't think anybody did uh, the the whole time that we we were filming. Uh, we we filmed sections of it, like the very the very beginning of the uh, the roll in. They kept the cameras there, and then they said, "Okay, the next scene or the next go around, this guy is in front. Then you come in, and then this guy, and then that guy." Then they kept the cameras in the same spot, and they said, "Okay, the third round, you come around. This guy comes around. You you know." So it's they filmed each section individually. And so nobody actually rode that whole track uh, in one time. How much time did you have to prepare for rad looking back on it? Would you have changed anything? Um, uh, I didn't really have to prepare to do anything because I rode my bike. You know, they were asking me to ride my bike to, to, to do things that I normally did. You know, where it, it wasn't a, a, a something that I needed to prepare for. Were you, um, were, you trying to be, were you trying to be a little cautious because you knew that you had competitions still coming up? Um, you know, I, I don't, it, it was, you know, 30 some odd years ago. I don't remember. I don't think I did. I think I just wrote, they didn't have anything uh, really about, above or beyond the stuff that I, that I could do. Um, you know, I was skeptical about the, uh, what was it? The, the, the lumber yard scene, um, where I didn't understand uh, how they could film something of me riding up plywood would make it look like, I'm riding on lumber. Um, but they did, you know, they, they said, okay, make it look like you're, you're having a hard time and do this. And, and, uh, all right, you know, I can, I can make that happen. Were you aware of the immediate impact rad had on the world and on Calgary? Or is this something that you noticed as the years went by and the demand for a restoration grew? Um, I didn't, you know, having, Having a movie about the sport that I love to do was awesome. Uh, seeing the impact of how many people actually went and seen it in the theaters was kind of, um, oh, it, there was 10 people in the theater when it, when it came out. And, and, and it was literally me and my, a bunch of my friends. And, and the, the theater was empty other than that. But we, we seen it once. It wasn't something that we've seen over and over like you would go and see Star Wars or something like that. Um, but then when it came out on video later on and people actually wore the tapes out, 
um, yeah, it, it definitely grew in the later years. Did you get to spend any time with the local riders around Calgary while shooting? Yes. Uh, we, we, we met a couple of the people, um, you know, some locals there that, uh, you know, we were into riding. And, and when we weren't filming, we would go hang out and, and ride some of the, the, the ramps that they had. And the cool thing was, back then, you know, in California, it, they had skate parks. And you had to pay to go ride these skate parks. And they were in a, in a specific area that you had to go and, and ride. Where uh, in Canada, in Calgary, there were actually ramps in the playground at, at some of the schools. It was like, how smart is this? How awesome is this that that the school understands that kids like to do this stuff? Well, can you tell us a little bit about how Legend Bike Company came to be and how you felt being a part of that? Um, so uh, 10, 15 years ago, I, I – I, thought you know i'm not riding for any company at, at this point in time and i i see all these new bikes that are out and they all look the same there's nothing different they all have a diamond shape to them and you couldn't tell and differentiate if that's the word i'm looking for the the difference between these bikes so back in the 80s you know i could from across the street i could tell a hutch compared to a, a GT, compared to a, 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 a Skyway TA or, or, you know, all these bikes that are different than each other. And so when I decided to, you know, try to do a, a bike company, um, I, wanted, I wanted a new school geometry because the new school geometry, you know, we didn't know any better back in the day. We just rode race bikes that were modified to – to be freestyle bikes. Um, new geometry actually helps and makes it better to ride, but they didn't have any uh, flair or pizzazz, and I wanted the bike to have um, an old-school look but with a new-school ride. So I had contacted a couple people, um, one being Bill Ryan, and asked him, uh, you know, how long would it take to, to build a bike like this? And, uh, you know, I, I had found out, you know, that <clears throat> in the BMX field, uh, two weeks is probably six months in everything, in anything BMX, you know, and, and uh, I didn't know this. So, so Bill and I had this talk that, you know, oh, yeah, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, and, and nothing came of, you know, for six months. Well, uh, within those six months, I went somewhere else, and had some bikes manufactured here in the United States and had 250 of them made, uh, all, um, with numbers, the numbers matching handlebars, forks and frame. And then, uh, when that, that production run ran out and also got a letter uh, from corporate GT, that, you know, Gary Turner no longer owns, so it was corporate, um, saying that, you know, a performer and pro-former sound so much alike, um, and your bike looks really real close to our bike. I go, well, if if you put them side by side, they're nothing alike. If you, you know, put one across the street, they're identical. But uh, 
performer and performer they didn't like. So they literally literally sent me a, a cease and desist letter um, as long as, you know, but they were okay for me to sell the, the, the 250 and, and if that was it. So um, that being said, uh, I went back to Bill Ryan and, and said, hey, I still want to make more bikes because the 250 sold and it was good. He says, okay, let me, let me look on some of this stuff. And, and uh, we decided to make a Legends Bike Co. company and, and manufacture former pros instead of pro formers. So it doesn't sound anything like performer. <laughs> well, how much do you think that the sport has changed since your heyday? Are there any new tricks out there that you just won't try? Oh, there's a lot of new tricks that I just won't try, <laughs> mainly because uh, it w- I would get hurt trying them. Um, and there, you know, it's funny is that I go back and I, I just thought about this this morning that you know, be- there wasn't anybody before us that were that were doing tricks like we were doing on BMX bikes. We didn't have anybody that was doing video. We didn't see anybody doing video. We didn't see anything in the books. We didn't see anybody doing, you know, eight to 10 foot airs prior to us. Um, so watching these new kids do exactly what we're doing, uh, is, is kind of, you know, uh, exciting that, that they're doing what we did back in the day, but they got to learn it from a video, uh, a book, uh, the internet or anything like that. The, the funny thing is, is that I, what I thought about this morning is that because I rode yesterday at the skate park and I'm uh, I'm talking to this kid and I'm going, hey, show me. He, he's asking me to do some tricks that, that I can do. Well, then I asked him to do some tricks that this old man at 55 can do and he can't. And I don't think at that, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20 in our heyday, I don't think there was anybody doing anything that we couldn't do on a bike. But now... There are some 50-year-olds that are doing things that these young kids can't do. You were at the park yesterday. How much are you still riding today? Do you go out every single day? I go out as much as I can. Uh, this, this pandemic was, you know, a little, uh, you know, keeping us from going out and then closing some of the parks down, um, which didn't make any sense, where they would still have golf courses open and the skate park was closed. Uh, they would have basketball courts open, but the skate park was closed or the BMX track is closed where we're not hanging out together. We're just riding. And, and the, you know, so it, it put a little slow and a little lull in. Um, but I try to ride as much as I can, uh, you know, at least once a week. And we also do Flatland. I'm riding the skate parks. I'm, I'm doing uh, HB Tuesdays uh, when when it's possible. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I, I just have fun riding. It, it was and it still is my life that I, I, I love to do. So, Well, Eddie, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Do you have any projects we can look forward to in the near future? Um, you know, I don't have anything in the near, well, I, you know, in Hollywood, they all say, Hey, I've got this thing coming up. I got this thing up, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, sometimes when you talk about it, it never happens. So I'm not going to talk about anything that's not happening yet. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It, it means, it, it means everything. Thank you. 
no worries. Had fun talking to you, and uh, yeah, I hope everything goes well. And and I listened to the uh, the Bill Allen interview. It was awesome. So good to go. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to pick up the 4K UHD Blu-ray release of Rad, courtesy of Vinegar Syndrome, on their Halfway to Black Friday sale. And look out in the future for Eddie Fiola's bike events or stunt work. And we hope to see him and yourselves at the Rad Celebrations in Calgary, hopefully in 2021. This concludes our broadcast day.